Hey, welcome to this edition of the Quintessential Ministry Podcast. This is Pastor Quint, and uh, coming at you here a few weeks before Easter, and I thought I would do something uh, just kind of different. We'll I will have some uh, great conversational podcasts coming after Easter with some local pastors, some stuff that we did for church here with the sermon series we're going to be entering into. Um, so I'll be sharing those. They'll be on both the Erie First Assembly podcast channel and my own uh, quintessential ministry podcast, so you can find those in two different places. Uh, but before we get there, what I thought would be just something different that we could do um, here is I actually uh, just started rereading a book that I have read probably five times. Uh, it is one of my favorite books on leadership, and uh, I have learned so much from it. And I probably haven't read it in, I don't even know, maybe seven or eight years, way too long, and so I decided to uh, dig this thing out and read it. So I, I thought uh, in this book they give 12 rules for bringing out the best in people, and I thought I will just, uh, what I'd like to do here is just put together a two-part uh, series, I guess, and have um, maybe reveal six of these each time. So today we're going to cover the first six, and I'm just going to give you some different things I've learned along the way. Uh, as a leader, and then uh, next episode, I'll jump on with the last six. And hopefully, um, it, I guess, just reveals some, maybe some hidden gems, some different things that, uh, you know, could help you in your life. I, I think we're all leaders in some sh- way, shape, or form, whether it's leading our family, leading at work, um, leading ourselves, you know, all of these things. Uh, matter, and this is a book that has greatly impacted me. So this book is actually called Bringing Out the Best in People by Alan Loy McGinnis, and uh, the subtitle is How to Enjoy Helping Others Excel. This book was written in 1985, or published in 1985, I should say, and honestly, um, it is not one of those uh, good to great or um, what are some of the other ones, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, like, you know, the, I mean, the Bibles of self-help, if you will, like the stuff that everyone's always kicking you to and um, and and referring to, those are like some of the, the really, really popular books, and they are great. This is one that, uh, for whatever reason, it definitely did well and did succeed back in the day, but maybe not to the levels that people are still talking about it. And so I don't know. I found this on um, my parents' bookshelf when I was a kid and uh, really no idea why I grabbed it. Um, But I did, and I read it, and it just really resonated with me, and I read it a bunch of times after that. And uh, as I've shared before, my background was business and sales uh, before getting involved in ministry, and this really served me well in those arenas um, and has served me well here. But I think to kind of back up, one of the things that um, I found at the end of 2020 um, was that I was really, the way I would describe it, as I was like running on the fumes of great leadership content that I had learned five and six and seven and eight years ago. Um, I, I was not doing a great job of uh, filling up the tank, if you will, with um, current content or even just refilling it with with things I'd learned before. And so um, I spoke with my coach about that and did a lot of soul searching and and um, I'm still doing a lot of soul searching and heart work trying to get back on track with, you know, I used to just have a really healthy and good reading habit. I used to have a, um, you know, just I would say better disciplines in those things. And um, 
So kind of my word for the year, uh, which isn't really an exercise I usually participate in, I don't have like my word for the year, but I just found myself journaling at the end of 2020 and realizing that the big word I need to uh, keep leaning on, and, and I can tell you one quarter of the way through 2021, this is probably going to be my word for the next couple of years, but the word is intentionality. I need to just keep leaning in on intentionality. What? How am I being intentional with my time? How am I intentionally filling up um, my heart and my brain and my mind with good content and reminding myself of some of these truths. And so that's something that I'm working on. Definitely have not perfected it, but it's something that I'm trying to do better uh, because what I have found is that running on the fumes of really good leadership content only gets you so far. Uh, It's not the same as running, as having a fresh, uh, fresh input and really you know, believing these things and, and reminding yourself, uh, reminding yourself of the uh, the power in some of these concepts and these truths. So, anyways, um, this book, "Bringing Out the Best in People" by Alan Loy McGinnis, he goes through 12, uh, 12 steps to bringing out the best in people. And so, I'm going to just try to fire through these first six and maybe just riff on them, different experiences, things that I've had, and hopefully. It, uh, it encourages you, and you'll tune in next week for the last six, and it makes you think as a leader, as a spouse, as a person, how you can bring out the best in the people that are around you. So number one, um, this might seem like uh, kind of a no-brainer or redundant, but I have found uh, I'm surprised that, at how hard it is to do this naturally. Number one is expect the best from the people that you lead. Um, I, I would say that that is... Um, easy to do until you start working with the people. And unfortunately, sometimes people have a way of making you not expect the best from them. Um, But I think it's always worth it to remember that people are capable of more than we give them credit for. This is certainly how we hope our bosses and our leaders lead us, that they expect the best from us, that they actually believe in us. And so expect the best from the people that you lead. Um, I have found, you probably have too, if if you look back on your life, people tend to to rise to whatever occasion you ask them to rise to. And so if you're not asking them to rise very far, they probably won't. And if you do ask them to rise to the occasion, they'll probably uh, step up to the plate and do a great job. Uh, Expect the best from the people that you lead. Number two, make a thorough study of the other person's needs. I think this is great to remember as a leader. I know I am definitely... um, always working on this. People are human beings, and people have uh, lives going on outside of work, and people have things that they are going through. And so to just assume that everything is great, and you can just, uh, that they're robots, and you can expect whatever you need to expect from them uh, is definitely, I would say, dangerous territory, definitely an opportunity for a lot of uh, hurt, uh, pain, Mm, maybe anger, resentment, all those things can start to enter a relationship when we just uh, don't look at people as human beings, but we look at them as human doings and just expect them to do whatever we need them to do. So I would. Um, that's also something that, that is worth uh, investigating. Also, how we hope to be treated. You know, all of these things are ways we hope. We hope people are considering our lives outside of work. We hope people are considering the human element and the experience we are all going through, the journey we are all on. Um, and so, of course, we should reciprocate that and give that to, uh, to others. Number three, establish high standards for excellence. This is something that gets talked about quite a bit in the church world, I would say, especially 
in the um, you know Facebook Live. Uh, everyone can watch your service at any time. We're always talking about excellence, 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 and it is uh, very, very important to have high standards of excellence. I think in the church world, we prioritize those things, not because we're putting on a show and not because of, um, you know, pride or anything like that, but we're, we're trying to honor God. We're trying to honor our Savior, and so we want to uh, give Him our best in all things. We want to come prepared. We want to do, um, you know, do the best that we can. But I think even in your life, uh, and I, one of the stories I love that Alan McGinnis talks about in this book is really from a family perspective. Uh, from a family aspect, having high standards for excellence inside your family. I have five small kids, and I definitely want to, um, and my wife is great at, at doing this, I want to raise them in such a way that uh, they they together hold themselves to a high standard, that they, um, you know, that there is a way Lindblads operate. I taught them a long time ago, Lindblads are leaders, that's kind of our phrase, Lindblads are leaders, and so we don't get the privilege of, uh, of just mailing anything in, but we, we think about that. We think about others. We think about, um, you know, just the impact that our choices and our decisions make on other people, and then we act accordingly because Lindblads are leaders. And so establishing high, um, high standards of excellence is huge for your organization, for your family, for really any unit um, that is going to be successful. You have to have a co-agreed-upon um, standard for excellence. So that's one, two, and three. Number four, create an environment where failure is not fatal. I think that's huge because in having standard for excellence, um, a lot of times what can be communicated is if we don't hit excellence, uh, well, I guess the, the easiest way to say it is excellence can get convoluted with the word perfection. We don't have a standard for perfection because we can't attain perfection, but we do have a standard for excellence. And when we don't hit it, which will happen because we're human beings and, and things get in the way and we make mistakes, failure is not fatal. Failure is not the end. It's going to be okay. Um, you know, if you've been following this podcast for a while, uh, my goal is to do one every other week. Last year, uh, just with everything that happened, uh, my schedule is very sporadic with this. I missed, I think, the entire month of June. Then I came back. Uh, much stronger and more consistent, but it has been kind of up and down. And if you've been following along, I appreciate your grace on that. But also, I would just say I have this mentality of I need to be intentional. I need to hit the target. When I don't, failure is not fatal. iTunes didn't cancel the podcast. Um, I'm not. I don't have to shut the whole thing down. I just need to to continue to do better, be more disciplined. Honestly, even with my work to increase my reading habit, um, I haven't hit that target either. That target is to read every single day from one of these quality books, from the Bible, from, uh, you know, this type of leadership content, whatever it is, listening to quality podcasts. And I have days where I, I have streaks where I'll do multiple days in a row and I'm doing great. And then stuff happens, life happens. But the, the failure in that is not final. That's not the end of the story. It's just, you know, me working on it. And I have, I give myself grace for that. And it's okay uh, to give yourself grace for, grace for that. Uh, so that would be number four. Number five, um, this, one's, this one's really good and speaks to, um, I would say, the uniqueness of being on a team. But it says, uh, if they are going anywhere near where you want to go, climb on other people's bandwagons. 
If people are going anywhere near where you want to go, get on their bandwagon. Another way I've heard that said, and you can tell in the 80s, they they might not be have been um, as concerned with trendy ways to say things. That's kind of a long bullet point. Uh, but I think another way to say that, if they are going anywhere near where you want to go climb on other people's bandwagons, would be when you succeed, we all succeed. So if we can get excited about... Um, the success other people are working to attain, we can find that that um, you know that that success also helps us and and breeds success for us. And so, I think for me, uh, just different areas in my life where I've I've tried to implement that is uh, a few years ago, my friend Ellen and I put out a worship album album. Uh, 10 original songs that we had written together over a couple of years, and I had some great and amazing guests uh, that were willing to play the drums, the electric guitar, the violin. I'm probably forgetting people. My friend Sydney sang on it. Um, and, and for me, I think it was just an opportunity to say, these are all great and talented musicians. This might be a better example of them um, jumping on my bandwagon. I had this album project. Ellen and I had this album project we were working on. They were willing to jump on that bandwagon, lend their talents to it, uh, because their aspirations and their goals are to be maybe on more projects, involved with more projects. And so they took the opportunity that was presented to them. And I feel the same, um, you know, in co-writing a couple books with Pastor Nicole, in doing uh, my children's book projects, all these various projects and things I do. Like I said, this is a great one for collaboration. It really just shows... um, that you might have an idea and your friend might have an idea and they might be really close to each other. And so how can you get together and work so that that idea um, heads in the same direction? Might not be your end result or their end result, but a collaboration of the two. I think some of the greatest you know, bands uh, in history probably are, are a great microcosm of this concept of, hey, I want to be a great drummer and play in front of thousands of people. Hey, I want to be a great electric guitar player. Their personal styles might be different, but when combined together, they do make their own unique sound and uh, accomplish a great thing. So um, that was number five. If they're going anywhere near where you want to go, climb on other people's bandwagons. Number six, the last one for today, and then I'll just share a few other thoughts. Um, Number six, employ models to encourage success. This is a great... um, a great team building tool uh, when you can show people what success looks like in your organization or going back to that family example, um, not that you ever want to promote one child over another, but when you can promote, uh, hey, this is how, you know, we are as parents so excited about this child's passion for X, whatever it is, but we're also equally excited for this child's passion for their thing. So let me give you a couple of examples. My oldest son is in Taekwondo and he loves it and he's very passionate about it. He's excited about it. And so um, we obviously are throwing our weight behind that um, as parents because we want to encourage him to continue to do that. But then my second son, um, who probably also will do Taekwondo, but it might not be his burning passion, um, he is very passionate about art. I mean, from the time he was three or four, he he has called himself an artist. He says, I will be an artist when I grow up. That is his burning passion and has stayed his burning passion um, for well over a year. And so in our family unit, we are um, encouraging both 
and and respecting and understanding they don't have to have the same burning passion. It's a-okay that they have different things that excite them, and we're excited as parents for the the variety, and we have three more kids coming up, and we'll see what they're into and what they're excited about. So I think that is a great example of employing models that encourage success. Um, you know, on, on that small family scale, how can you as a parent do that where you are not holding one child up as this is the standard, but celebrating the uniqueness and the passions um, of each and every individual. And you can do that from a business or a church leadership standpoint. You can do that with your team as well. Um, Obviously, where I work, we have a media department, we have a worship department, we have a kids department, we have all sorts of different entities. And this, the it kind of goes with that excellence um, point that we talked about excellence is really what you would want to celebrate in that atmosphere. You can't say running a media department is the successful thing because there's only one person who's allowed to do that. But you can celebrate the excellence that encompasses a department and encourage your other team members to strive for an equal level of excellence in their own unique way. So employing models that encourage success absolutely is, I would say, more... um, I, not conceptual, but uh, philosophical, I think is the word I'm looking for. It really gives you the opportunity to celebrate someone who is attaining that uh, that mindset, but you, uh, you can still keep it unique to the different uh, people, different roles, different things. So anyways, um, yeah, so th- this is uh, kind of something different. I haven't done anything like this uh, in a little while, but you know, honestly, leadership content was kind of my primer to becoming a pastor, and um, that's not to discount the Bible in any way, shape, or form, because I've, uh, as soon as I ended up in ministry, I, I really just um, started reading through the message translation of the Bible and didn't stop for a long time and really, uh, you know, had the Bible come alive to me in new ways. But I think the marriage of the two has made me the leader that I am and made me the pastor that I am. And it just gives me this perspective. Um, you know, you might be the type of person who expecting the best from others is not how you are naturally wired. And I want to tell you that is absolutely okay. Uh, but what I also want to tell you is that you have the choice and you have the power of the Holy Spirit working in you, if you're a believer, to, to overcome that and to learn how to expect the best from the people that you lead. Uh, and that was bullet point number one. And so, it is, I would say, vital that you um, that you know you recognize as a a leader again, whether it's leader of your family, leader at work, uh, leader of a volunteer team at your church, leader of whatever. It is vital that you recognize how you are wired, um, how you are, uh, I guess, kind of geared naturally, and then lean into the strengths of that and work to overcome the weaknesses. That is something that I'm always doing. I'm not naturally the type of person, and this is why I think I found myself in the situation that I did at the end of last year. I'm not naturally a rigid schedule type person. I don't do a great job of waking up at a certain time, reading this, like I guess discipline is the word. Um, I'm not naturally like uh, someone who builds discipline, rigid schedules around my day. Maybe that's the nature of the work that I do. Maybe, I I think for me, I've had seasons where I've been more disciplined and seasons 
where I've been less, and maybe you can relate to that. But what I would say is that I'm aware of that deficiency, if you will, and because I'm aware of it, I can work on it, I can address it, and I can wrap um, that word intentionality around all the things that I'm doing, work-related, personal life-related, physical fitness-related, all of the things, intentionality is really the thing that I need to be leaning in on, and because I'm aware of that, I can at least, you know, awareness is the first step, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So anyways, I hope this has encouraged you. And like I said, I know it's different. Uh, Next week, we'll pick this up and I'll go through uh, the second six. Let me read them off one last time, though. The first six from the 12 rules for bringing out the best in people. The book is Bringing Out the Best in People by Alan Loy McGinnis. Uh, Number one, expect the best from the people that you lead. Number two, make a thorough study of the other person's needs. Number three, establish high standards for excellence. Number four, create an environment where failure is not fatal. Number five, if people are going anywhere near where you want to go, climb on their bandwagon. And number six, employ models that encourage success. So uh, I will leave that there. We will jump in on this next week. Uh, grab the other six. I'll have some more thoughts for you. Hopefully, I will have actually finished the book by then. Uh, That would go a long way in making me feel good about the intentionality that I'm leaning in on. But anyways, thanks so much for listening. This is Pastor Quint with the Quintessential Ministry Podcast, and we will catch you uh, on the next episode, Bringing Out the Best in People, Part 2. I was wondering